0: It's a fantastic year, right? It is your year of becoming, all right? This year, you know, I see you begin to become, to look like, you know, God's plans for your life. I see the vision that God has given you, his plans, his thoughts about you beginning to take shape. You begin to look like it. You begin to have, you know, vision clarity and vision alignment so that you begin to take steps. By the grace of God towards you know becoming what God has called you to be. Alright. So yeah, and part of that, you know, is um is in the area of your finances, is in wealth creation. So this morning, our topic is the spirit of enterprise. So I will take us over the next four Sundays, okay, on this conversation. All right, because this year we are going to be a whole lot richer as a church and as individuals hallelujah i'm talking two times richer three times richer five times richer and even ten times richer some of us will begin to set things in motion that will ensure that you and your entire generation after you okay is forever is forever taken out of poverty Do you get that some of us will begin to put things in motion that will ensure that you and generations after you will be lifted out of poverty. So I want to see you begin to become in your area of finances. I want you to be wealthy, to begin to create wealth. Okay, so today I will share three thoughts with you. Okay, I will share three thoughts with you to guide you on this journey. Okay, solid biblical thoughts that you probably have never seen or heard in this light. Number one, wealth creation as a duty. Okay. Number two, the spirit of enterprise as the lasting way, as the way to build lasting wealth. Number three, the spirit of enterprise as a direct result of biblical Christian conduct. So. So so that therefore the believer, the believers, sorry, so that therefore the believer who lives by the Bible will create wealth. Alright. Are we good? Can we jump right in? Okay, let's do that. Thought one wealth creation is a duty. Proverbs 13:22. Okay, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. But the sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Look at this. A good person leaves what? An inheritance for his children of for his great grandchildren. So the idea is that you know if you if you um, um if you are wise and you work well, you know, you 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 get stuff done, okay, you save, you you invest, you build, you, you build wealth, okay. The Bible calls you a good person and that you will leave an inheritance for your children, children after you. So a good person. Should seek to leave an inheritance for their children. Children, you see that? Okay. Luke eight one to three. After this, Jesus traveled traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had come out. Verse 3, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Look at this. So that people were supporting the ministry of Jesus out of their resources. So again, wealth creation as a duty so that you can have enough to live well and to support you know, good ventures to support ministry to do good works. All right, Second Corinthians nine, from verse six to fifteen. Remember this: Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8, And God is able to bless you abundantly. Look at this. This is an act of God, okay? That God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Look at verse 9. As it is written, They are foolish, scattered that gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, now it will supply seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Verse 12, this service that you perform Is not only supplying the needs of the lost people, look at this, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. 13. Because of this service of which you have provided, proved yourself, okay, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Verse 14. And their prayers. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given to you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Look at this. Talking about, you know, about having enough to live well and then to give out. That God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Talking about you. And you must claim this. Okay? That having all in at, at all times you know, having all you need, you are able to live well and to abound in giving unto good works so that, you know, you can scatter about things, gifts to the poor. You can help people to live well also take them out of impoverishment. And it says, you know, it says this is a good thing, okay? Even causes that your righteousness just forever. Now, this kind of lifestyle is an act of righteousness. Come on. Pro, 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 being productive, okay? Being able to be productive, have enough to live well for the right reasons and being able to share about to people. The Bible calls it here, you know, an act of righteousness. It says, through you, people will give thanks to God because of your generosity. That was because you're productive. Okay? They will give thanks. You know, people are bound, you know, in thanksgiving because of what you are doing. You see that? Again, I'm showing you what creation as a thing of duty. Ephesians 4.28, Ephesians 4.28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, look at this, but must work doing something useful with your own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Look at this also. Wealth creation as a thing of duty so that you can live well, you can live with dignity respectably, and being able to share with those in need. Alright? 1st Matthias 5 3 to 8. 1st Timothy 5 3 to 8. Are we there? Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so doing, repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. Okay, let's go to verse verse, um, verse 7. Give the people these instructions, so that no one may be open to blame. Verse 8, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So he's saying, you know, that widows that have children and grandchildren their children, their families be able to care for their widows. So you should, you should see that as a duty to create, to be productive, to create wealth, so that you can take care of your loved ones, take care of your parents, of your mother, of your father. Okay, of people in your household. What creation as a thing of biblical duty, so that people, so that, you, so that you don't burden yourself on the church, so that also your loved ones do not burden themselves on the church welfare. you getting me? So that you take care of them, they don't have to be a burden on the society, on the government or on the welfare system of the church. You see this? But creation as a thing of duty. All right? Acts Acts 20 from 33 to 35. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you by, that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I like this so much. Verse five again, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of at work, we must help the weak because Jesus Christ said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. He's talking about that we do not make ourselves a burden on the system. You see this? You must see it as a duty to be able to be productive so you can be independent, you can live well, and you can help the weak. So by this by this kind of at work, We have shown that we must help the weak. You are not meant to be part of the weak. Work hard, be productive, so you can give and help those who are weak. Do you see this? Because it is more blessed to be a giver than to be a receiver. So, work yourself with righteous work ethic into the position of being the giver as a thing of duty. Do you see this? So, you should be unapologetic In your ethical pursuit of wealth creation through solving problems, you should regard the creation of wealth as not merely an advantage but a thing of duty. See that? So that you can live well and have enough for good works, to help the poor, to fund good projects, to fund ministry to leave an inheritance for your children, children after you. You see this? So, to stay in a, in a perpetual state of needing, when you can walk to the state of being benevolent, is unbefitting of the state of blessedness. Think about this carefully. Let me take it again. To stay in a perpetual state of needing, when you can walk to the state of benevolence, is unbefitting for the state of blessedness. If God shows you means of profit, then you must be then you must be diligent enough to make the best of it. One more time: If God shows you means of profit, then you must be diligent enough to make the best out of it. So, we'll see, you must see it as a thing of duty for the reasons I gave you above. Do you understand? Okay, so it's not no longer like an advantage to create wealth. It's no longer like mainly an advantage, but a thing of duty. Your family, your family needs you to have money. Your church needs you to to have money. Your society needs you to have money to create wealth and to solve problems. You must see it as a thing of Christian duty. I hope you understand that. Thought number two. Thought number two. The spirit of enterprise is the way to create wealth. The spirit of enterprise is the way to create wealth. In a free society, the spirit of enterprise is the way to create wealth. Okay, more is it defined as the spirit of capitalism. Okay? you need to become a capitalist in your thinking. Because if you live in a capitalist society and you don't adjust your thinking and habits to suit it, you will become the prey of the market. How? You will consume more than you produce and you will lose. Capitalism is the systematic and continuous usage of goods and services as a means of acquisition in such a way that at the close of the business period the balance of the enterprise in money assets or the periodically estimated money value of the assets exceed the capital. In capitalism, everything is done in terms of balances. Everything is done in terms of balances, okay, at the beginning of the enterprise, an actual, an initial balance, okay, before every decision is taken, okay, a calculation is done to, to, to ascertain its probable profitability. And at the end, a final balance to ascertain how much profit has been made. You see, everything is done through calculation. Okay? So far, as the transaction are rational, so far as the transactions are rational, calculation underlines every single action of the partners. You see that? So far as the transactions are rational, calculation underlines every action of the partners. So, the spirit of enterprise is in systematically and you know thoughtfully um, using what you have in your hands to create profit to create, um, to create goods and services okay for profit. And it must be a continuous cycle otherwise you will run out of funds. So it's about creating continuous creation of value for profits. Okay, and everything is done by calculation. So, at the beginning of the enterprise, you know, at the beginning of your even, you know, even you as an individual, if if you work somewhere and you're paid for service, you are an enterprise. So you must see yourself as an enterprise. Okay, you must calculate your profitability. How much do you spend? How much do you gain? Okay, Your, your initial balance and your ending balance. Do you understand? All right. Yeah. So we see. So if we see some examples in scripture. We see Jacob chasing whales as the spirit of enterprise. Okay? The continuous drive to be better by using all the available technology and creating new ones for increased competitive productivity. Hmm? This is how man dominates the world and creates the future. Do you understand? Good now, thoughts number three. Thoughts number three, and this is where I'll probably take the most time. The spirit of capitalism okay produces true good work ethic, honesty and integrity, frugality, modesty and savings, intelligent investment decision making, intelligent investment decision making now I want to show you from scripture that these traits I just mentioned right now are biblical traits they are traits that every believer ought to have as a matter of Christian conduct and wisdom I said good work ethic honesty and integrity frugality modesty and savings intelligent investment decision making Alright? So, this trait, practice continually, is what makes for the spirit of enterprise. This trait, practiced continually, is what makes for the spirit of enterprise. Okay? The continued use of what is in your hands to create more wealth. This is termed fruitfulness in the Bible. Genesis 1, Genesis 1 from 28 to 30. Genesis 1 from 28 to 30. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, and and over every living creature that moves on the ground. 29, look at this. Then God said. I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, okay? And every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I have given, you know, I have given every green plant for, for food. And so it was. So God told man, I give the entire world, okay, the entire earth. Hmm? Be fruitful. Be fruitful. Be fruitful. Increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over everything. I have given you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree. But that's fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. That your feeding, your ability to live well, will come from you, you know, from your fruitfulness. From you planting seeds, cultivating it, investing it. It will come from you engaging in enterprise. Are you getting this? That God designed it, that men... Man, you live well, be profitable by fruitfulness through work. Hmm. So it is fruitfulness through work. In Genesis 2:15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to walk and take care of it. Come on, to work it and to take care of it. So you must see this, okay? Before sin came. There was work. And God, what he sees, look at this. If, if you see if you want to last the truth, okay. The purpose that God gave man, Genesis 1 and 2, speaks a lot about work, productive enterprise, fruitful endeavor. That you might you have many callings in life. One of your callings is to work for profits. You have many purposes in life. One of them is to work. For profit to work fruitfully, okay, exercise nine and ten, exercise nine plus ten, exercise nine plus ten. Whatever your hands finds to do, do it with all your mind. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. Look at this, Christian conduct, walk with your hands whatever work you are given to do, work it with all your mind. This is Christian conduct. Okay? 1 Thessalonians 4, 11-12. First Thessalonians 4, 11-12. Look at this. And to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, you should mind your own business. Look at this. And work with your hands, just as we told you, So that your daily life, oh God, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Again, Christian conduct, it should be ambition to lead a quiet life. Okay? Busy with your business, with your work, minding your own work, minding your own business, work with your hands, Okay? So that your daily life may win may, may win the respect of outsiders, and so that you not depend on anybody. This is Christian conduct. Being financially independent. Are you seeing it here? Being financially independent is Christian conduct, is Christian character. Fin, financial independence through hard work, through enterprise. Okay, is Christian conduct. So you must make it your ambition. To be financially dependent through work. Okay? Titus 3.8 This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things. So that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. Hmm? These things are excellent and profitable for everyone, Kabashata. See, that I'm telling you to stress this thing to the believers. This is Paul speaking. Mm? That those who have put their trust in God should be careful to devote themselves to work, to good work. Okay? These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Devote yourself to excellent profitable work. This is Christian conduct. To wake up in the morning, get get to work with diligence. To not grieve anybody, okay. To work hard. To 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 work passionately. To create wealth so that you are so that are financially independent and able to get us is Christian conduct. All right. To work diligently with skill. Hallelujah. Are we together this morning? Okay. Proverbs thirteen eleven. Proverbs thirteen eleven. Proverbs thirteen eleven. Dishonest money doing those away. But whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Look at this. Proverbs 10:4 to 5. Lazy ants makes for poverty, but diligent ants bring wealth. This is Christian conduct. Diligent ants bring wealth. Verse 5, he who grasps a crop in the summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Hmm. To stay jobless, you have been a disgraceful son. I'm quoting the Bible for you. You must understand that to get up in the morning, go to work, work hard, diligently, with all your might, is Christian conduct. And if you practice this, it will inevitably lead to world creation. I will show you. Okay? Again, another another Bible verse. Proverbs Proverbs 22, verse 29. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. Look at this. That if you are skilled in your Christian conduct, is to be skilled in your work, you will serve before kings. You will rise up the ladder. Okay, you will serve. You will serve nobles, and they pay well. You will rise in life. Okay, and that verse. Okay, same Proverbs from verse twenty-one, verse five. Proverbs twenty-one, verse five. Proverbs twenty-one, verse five. Proverbs twenty-one, verse five. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Come on. See, he says you should be diligent in your work, right? As a matter of scripture. And he says this will lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. So I've shown you conduct one of of capitalism, of the spirit of enterprise. Okay? Good Work ethic, okay. So, so also is to work with integrity, so that people will trust you, and thus making you a trustworthy producer of goods and services. Colossians two. Colossians three. From twenty-two to five. Colossians three from twenty-two to twenty-five. Colossians three from twenty-two to twenty-five. Slaves. Obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, come on, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. He's saying that you will must, as, as an employer or an employee, you must do your work as though doing it unto the Lord. In the way, in the way you treat your clients, your colleagues, your staff, your bosses, your vendors okay in the way you make your, your, your in the way you do your work in the excellence the integrity the honesty that goes in, that goes behind it you are doing it as though working for the lord that the quality you provide is a quality that is befitting for your lord and king come on because it is god you are doing it knowing that it is god's reward you are looking for now when you do this in the marketplace what does it mean it means that by by, by 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 natural consequence, you will have the best products, the best service. It means in your office space, amongst your colleagues, you will stand out without even trying to, because you are working with all your with all your might as though doing it for the Lord. You will stand out. And this will mean that people will trust your work and your products and you'll naturally be preferred. Hmm? You see this. The blessing of the work of your hands will then lead you to becoming a lender and investor. That's when you work with good work ethic. Look at this. When you work hard, you you apply yourself. You give it your best. Hmm? You work diligently. You you, you strive to be the best because you work as though working for God. So you don't do half measures. You go the extra mile and you then combine it with integrity. Mm? Naturally, people will trust you, promote you, patronize you, okay, and you would have resources. Now, this will automatically, automatically turn to increased inflow. Okay? So that the blessing of your hands can then lead you to becoming, to having enough to become an investor, a in lender to nations. If you do the next thing, which I'll come back to. But before then, let me deal with this, okay? Theronomy 28, verse 12. 20, verse 12. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season, and to bless all the work of your hands. He will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. You see this? as a consequence of your good work ethic, okay, your honesty, that will then provoke God's blessings on your work, you will lend to many nations you borrow from. So, you become, you will have enough resource to become an investor. Are you seeing this? So that you are able to continuously create wealth, both actively and passively. Okay? Now, this will only be so if you accumulated wealth by frugality, modesty and savings. Are you getting me today? Because usually, it's not only about how much you earn that makes you rich, but how much you keep. Some people earn, they earn well, but they they also spend too well. So the money just is is, is leaving them. That because you understand the spirit of enterprise, capitalism, okay, you are working hard to earn more and spend less. Hmm? You are working to earn more and to spend less. You see yourself as a business. You see your opening balance and your closing balance every month, every year. So that your job is to continually use your goods and services to make sure that you have a net positive. Do you understand? Okay, how? Frugality, modesty and savings. And these are Christian conducts. Which I will show you from Scripture. Are you get my point today? That you know the spirit of enterprise is 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 a natural consequence of Christian conduct. Again, that the spirit of enterprise is a natural consequence of Christian conduct. One more time, that the spirit of enterprise that leads to world creation is a natural consequence of Christian conduct. First Timothy two nine to ten on frugality, modesty, and saving. Verse 9. I also want the women to dress modestly, with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate styles or gold, or pearls, or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. Are you seeing this? that not wearing all your money on your body is Christian conduct. Come on. Mm? Not wearing all your money on your body is good Christian conduct. John 6, 12. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, guard that the pieces that are left. Let nothing be wasted. Look at this. So, to eliminate waste, is proper Christian conduct. Come on. To eliminate waste is proper Christian conduct. Proverbs 21.20 Proverbs 21.20 The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Look at this. So, to save, to not eat all you make, to have savings, is is wise Christian conduct. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. So the Bible is telling you: if you eat all you all you earn, that if you spend all you earn, you are foolish. I did not say so; the Bible says so. So, not spending all you earn is good Christian conduct. Proverbs twenty-one seventeen. Proverbs twenty-one seventeen. Proverbs Whoever loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and olive oil will never be rich. If you live for pleasure, for, for pleasure, you will keep consuming and you will be poor. So to be modest, to be frugal, to be you know reserved is Christian conduct. Are you seeing this? Another one, another one. In Proverbs 13, verse 7. One person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet he has great wealth. Come on. (laughs) One more time. One pretends to be rich, yet he has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. That proper Christian conduct is not to be showing off all you have. Some people are some people are showing off to be rich when they are broke. They are acting bigger than what they earn. And it is being ridiculously unwise. You earn 200K. They call as should be 100K. And you went and paid for it. Are you okay? Why are you like this? Why is your own like this? Hmm? You, are, you, you form rich at every party. You know, you spray money. On your on your salary, salary of 200 k civil servants, you are spending money at the party. Mm? So spending like you are rich, okay? <laughs> when you are not, is not Christian conduct. Be reserved, be chilled, don't be show offy. Mm? So these are biblical principles. That the believer will practice and will naturally create wealth. Okay, let, 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 let me say it again. It's natural, it makes sense. If you work hard, okay, meaning that you are you apply yourself dignity to your work, you rise in your skill because you apply yourself, you get better at your skill. You you work hard to be the best at all you do. Okay, you then combine it with good work ethic, with good with integrity, with honesty, you will naturally be preferred. In any market you find yourself, you become preferred naturally. All right? So it means that you will have more influence coming towards you. Now, if you are now frugal and modest, it means you will keep more than you spent. Okay? So it now means you will have savings that will now lead you to be able to create passive income by investing. You become a, a lender to nations, not a borrower. You see all this as consequences of natural, Christian, biblical conduct. You see this, okay? Let me show you this. Let me read to you a statement by Max Weber, okay, about life after the Protestant Reformation, okay? I will clear this morning again. I want to show you a, st- I want to show you a statement about life after the Reformation, okay? A statement made, you know, Max Weber wrote this in the early 1900s, okay, speaking about life, you know, just after the Reformation, okay? Yeah. A glance at the occupational statistics of any country of mixed religious composition brings to light with remarkable frequency a situation which has several times provoked discussion in the Catholic press and literature, and in Catholic congresses in Germany, namely the fact that business leaders and owners of capital, as well as the higher grades of skilled labor, and even more, the higher technically and commercially trained personnel of modern enterprises are overwhelmingly Protestant. Okay, so I got my have to say that out, okay, just to spice it up, perhaps. All uh-huh. right. You see this? What is the point that he was making here? It he was saying that, okay, that when you compare, uh, when you look at the statistics then, okay, and you look at the and you look at their their religious composition, you find that Protestants were were known for profitability, known for enterprise, known for skillfulness. Okay, that when, that when you look at the top people in, in the top dogs in the industry, it, it began to show over time that the Protestants began to rise and to rise. Okay, and what made it so? was that they, 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 they took the scripture, okay, practicing these things, in, practicing scripture in the marketplace as a matter of Christian conduct, as a matter of duty. Okay, in fact, there's a popular saying back then, okay, there's a popular saying that said, you know, if there was a choice to either sleep well or to eat well, the Catholic will choose to sleep well, but the Protestants will choose to eat well were known for strong work ethic seeing work as a duty not just necessity but seeing work as a duty not just a necessity okay we're known for honesty punctuality integrity frugality savings okay modesty and this attitude led consistently to wealth and this was not a chance happening it was because they had a doctrine Around hard work and productivity, they saw work and success not as acts of the flesh, but as but, but as compulsory fruits of the life of a Christian devotee. Okay, this group of people became rich not because they were born rich, okay, or privileged. They were lower. They were poor from lower strata. Okay, that by work ethic. Became the lifeblood of capitalism. They became the best workers and consequently owners. Okay, because for them it was a matter of faith to work diligently, to work hard, to work as a duty, to be frugal. Okay, to to make wise you know wise investment choices. Okay, they saw it as a matter of proofing of as a matter of proving the validity of their christian character do you see this Hmm. john wesley okay let me give you a quote by john wesley i want to show you john wesley's um john wesley's concerns okay about the compulsory inevitability of wealth of the christian devotee i fear wherever riches have increased, the, the, the essence of religion has decreased in the same proportion. Therefore, I do not see how it is possible in, in, in the nature of things for any revival of true religion to continue for long. Look at this. For religion must compulsorily produce industry and frugality. And this cannot but produce riches. But as riches increase, so will pride, anger, and love of the world in all its branches. How then, how then is it possible that that Methodism, okay, that is a religion of the heart, though it flourishes now as a green bay tree, should continue in these states. For the Methodists in every place, look at this, grow diligent and frugal. For, let me take it in. How then is it possible that Methodism, that is a religion of the heart, though it flourishes now as a green bay tree, should continue in this state? For the Methodists in every place, grow diligent and frugal. Consequently, they increase in goods. Hence, they proportionately increase in pride. Okay? In anger, in the desire of the flesh, desire of the eyes, and the pride of life. So, although the form of religion remains, the spirit is sweetly vanishing away. Mm? Is there no way to prevent this? This continual decay of pure religion? Look at this question. Is there no way to prevent this? This continual decay of pure religion. Look at this. Still speaking, still quoting John Wesley. We ought not to prevent people from being diligent and frugal. Look at this. We must exhort, you know, all Christians to gain all they can and to save all they can. And this is is in effect to grow rich. Hmm? Look at this. We ought not to prevent people from being diligent and frugal. We must exhort all Christians to gain all they can and to save all they can that is in effect to grow rich. There follows the advice, okay, that those who gain all they can, and save all they can, should also give all they can, so that they may grow in grace and lay up a treasure in heaven. You see, you see his thoughts here, John Wesley, the, f- the father of the, of the Methodist Church. You see his thoughts hmm? Hmm. that it is natural, consequently, okay, for the believer, okay, to grow rich. Why? Because by, by by Christian conduct, they are diligent in their they are diligent in their work. By Christian conduct, we are modest, we are frugal. So we end, we gain all we can and we save all we can. That, that, means, by, by, that means in effect we grow rich. Okay? He's now saying that now the way to make sure that we don't now become proud, you know, um proud and you know um and let wealth. It's a way our, our, our faith is by... Now, when you gain all you can and save all you can, also give all you can, okay? But I will not prevent the believer from gaining wealth through industry, okay? That the believer must be exhorted to gain all they can and save all they can. That is in effect to grow rich and then give all they can. And this follows the, 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 the teaching of Paul in First Timothy six, okay, that you give all you can so you can grow in grace and lay for yourself a treasure in heaven. So, and here's also my own, my own thoughts, okay. This is my own thoughts, okay. I want to tell you that riches will tempt you, so also will poverty. I'm adding this. I'm adding this to you as my own extra. Hmm? Poverty will tempt you, so also be riches, okay. I'm not convinced that riches pose a greater danger to your soul than poverty, okay? Either you are rich or you are poor, you will be tempted, okay? Okay, so, you know, I believe that you should do all you can as a matter of duty and Christian conduct to rise in life so you can be a blessing to the world around you. So you can also be part of the part of people creating the future of the world by solving problems. Hallelujah. I hope this sermon blessed you. And I hope you can begin to put a connection between your Christian life and your growth in material resources. Okay? Father, I thank you for this sermon. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, we have learnt this morning. Amen. We hope you were blessed by that sermon, Chance to Growth and Global impact. Feel free to contact us via our social media platform at This Green Church. And do join us every Sunday by 9 a.m. and Wednesday by 6 p.m. to be a part of our family. Remember, you are that Savior. You are light and life to your world.